Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 26. I'm Aid, and with me is my good buddy Graham, as you might expect. What you might not expect is that we have uh, a special guest here. Uh, I hope he's prepared to be judgmental because it is today uh, the judging of the Cheap Shots Challenge round two. Uh, I'm pretty sure though the judgmentalness will be saved for me and Graham. Um, I'm looking forward to another win. Uh, Graham's looking forward to wailing a gnashing of teeth <laughs> uh, and uh, let, I'll, I'll, I'll say hi to Graham there how you doing buddy I'm doing very well thank you Aidan and I too am very excited to uh, go through the pictures from this round the cheap shots challenge and I'm feeling uh, mm, I was feeling confident about my um, chances in this challenge up until I developed the film and then my <laughs> my confidence level plummeted somewhat so uh, we shall see but uh, yeah it's great to have our guest with us this week because it's somebody who's been part of the sort of sunny 16 conversation right from the very beginning um and that man is uh spencer now i don't know which name to go with here do we go with spencer beater do we go with the story of pieces uh, let's just go with spencer spencer welcome to the podcast hello it's you can cool. call me spencer beta spencer beta I, I always get confused between beta and beta I, I at this point forget which one is the american and which one is the english pronunciation um yeah, say the american one is beta but since it's my name, I can tell you how to say it. That's true. You can absolutely <laughs> tell us how to say it. It's great to have you on the show. I think you were one of the first people I ever got into a conversation with on Instagram. And and um, you listened to the podcast early on and gave us some advice and some feedback on it. It was very much appreciated. And obviously, that's what we used to handcraft it into this amazing thing that you've listened to now. Um, so... <laughs> We're going to try and make our interview technique a little bit more flawless than perhaps in previous weeks and start with some really good questions. Um, the first question I'd like to ask, Spencer, because I know that you have had some education in photography. So how did you get into photography? It's a good big one anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, my path to photography was a kind of not a common path. I've been I got into photography because of Photoshop. Um, I've been working with Photoshop's for most of my life since version four, somewhere in the nineties, um, and just kind of played with it for a long time. And then it eventually led me to photography, um, because I got bored of, uh, I got tired of just browsing the internet for images that I like could see in my head and for things I wanted to make and then started actually shooting my own images and then a friend of mine like wrote me into a film photography class and here we are <laughs> it led me down quite the path um, to actually go to college for uh, photography. Um, I went to the Academy of Art in San Francisco. That's that's a really interesting uh, way about it. Uh, I mean, you, you hear we hear and we talk to people about. Yeah, who who've picked up photography from from a parent or another relative or a friend or something like that. But you've almost come at it from the the opposite end of the scale. You know, most people learn retouching and 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 Photoshop and post processing uh, as as a consequence of being into photography. But uh, for you, that was the entrance way. Yeah, when I was in school, there was a lot of a lot of people I knew who didn't use Photoshop and didn't know how and didn't really didn't want to learn it. And I'm just like, oh, Photoshop, because, yeah, it's definitely a program that takes a lot of practice to get comfortable with. And sometimes I forget how much practice I have in it. So I'm like, oh, why aren't you comfortable? Come on. It's easy. <laughs> I've I've dabbled uh, and uh, I think I, I have some of the basic tools and I know how to use. I certainly wouldn't call myself even mediocre, let alone an expert. But uh, I think you have to be my, my observation about my own behavior in Photoshop is you also have to have the real creative side to it, too, because otherwise it's just a set of tools that you, you can't do anything with. And I think that comes out in, in your photography as well, because your your photography is it's very much you know, f from an angle. You have you seem to have something in mind that you're aiming for. Um, yeah, sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I have a very like because my workflow is so digital and analog. It's a lot of like sometimes I knew what I wanted. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I found something that I didn't think was there. And sometimes what I thought was there 
just isn't really there. I'm, so. I'm interested because when we were chatting the other night, you were telling me that you went and you did your course in photography, which um, I'm guessing included uh, a mixture of doing the digital work, doing you know, the, the Photoshop work, as well as actually building up a bank of photography skills. But you said that when you came out of that, much like Corey did when he came out of his um, course, you just didn't want to take pictures anymore. Oh, yeah. No, when I left school, I didn't shoot like any photography for about three years. Um, and about a year ago was when I really started uh, picking it back up. And um, I started shooting digitally with a friend of mine, and that was just kind of nice. And then I started, um, really, I started looking at my old film because when I was in school, I shot almost entirely digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just how the school was and that's how that school is now like they don't even require that you learn film to begin with which i think is terrible but um yeah so i started like sifting through these these negatives i had because i would um when i was in school i would shoot digitally for school but then i'd go on little like road trips and trips and only shoot film because it was more fun and i just didn't like because digital feels like such a such work you know it's like film was just like oh well it's gonna it's probably not gonna be perfect so fuck it i'll just have fun yeah. and uh so i had all this film that i'd never really done anything with um and i started scanning it and sorting it and like getting all the scans i had um already in the lightroom and just organizing everything and then i got the idea of like oh maybe i'll start posting this to instagram and now I have an Instagram account that's entirely filmed that I actively shoot for all the time. So that's fun. The stuff, um, obviously, you were putting a lot of stuff up that you were shooting, um, you know, back when you were when you were studying. And your your Instagram name, a story of pieces. Uh, I, I think certainly the earlier stuff that I've seen that you were sharing, a lot of it did have this um, real sort of. The, the name fit it. it it felt like you were seeing a, a little scene um out of some weird story that was going on somewhere there were uh, your, your pictures have quite a distinct look to them a lot of them um what what were you trying to capture with that because that the, then none of them feel snapshotty as aid said at the onset you you going out with a purpose and um you're creating images which have a quite an otherworldly feel to them quite often. You're shooting in a lot of uh, remote or at least seemingly re- remote locations. Um, what what were you trying to get from the pictures then? And, and is that still the same thing you're looking for now? Yeah, well, I definitely, um, I definitely have like a handful of goals and like things I'm looking for when I go out shooting. Um, a lot of the, like my much older stuff, um, before I kind of really got into shooting film and like in the style um, was like from these road trips where I'd be out in the middle of nowhere, like in Nevada or something. And there'd just be like this single structure. And it was just this awesome, like isolated thing. And I would just like love it. And I really started thinking about uh, my photography as like kind of describing it as having this great sense of like this intense sense of space, mm-hmm. um, which like I live in the San Francisco Bay area. There's not a huge amount of space here. So it's, it's really hard to like find a isolated building in an empty field with nothing behind it besides like empty fields. Um, so like, it's like, that's kind of one of the things I'm looking for. Um, and like, it's always cool when I'm actually able to like find that feeling like in a more cluttered space. Um, I don't know there's definitely like different i've always i almost feel like there's different shots that i keep retaking like yeah. i keep finding the same shot and i'm like oh yeah that's going in the collection and that's another one too and like um i actually have a name for one of them it's called i call it stacks where it's just like it's a vertical shot and it's just got like these different lines going through it horizontally mm-hmm. um, and it works a lot in in landscapes but then it's cool when i'm able to like find the same sort of thing like on a wall or like with a bunch of boxes that are stacked and like it's 
cool because it's like I find that same, I don't know, template or format of an image in different spots and like can pair together like a landscape and a wall and put them the images next to each other and be like, yeah, those go together. That's really, really, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I look at, uh, I guess, I, part of the, the first part of that you're talking about, I ha I can resonate with in that, you know, the stuff that I shoot I in the more urban areas or more built up areas, I'm always trying to pare things down and, and try and find the, the quietness, you know, and, and cut through the chaos of the city. But I'm not yeah. sure that I've done the second step where I, I've, I've worked out what it is that may or may not work in my own photography uh, and noticed a repeatable pattern that that's that's quite a sense of self-awareness of your work thanks yeah uh well something that i definitely found in this process that i started about a year ago of like really looking back at my work is really analyzing it and like looking at stuff and being like oh that was cool i wonder if i can recreate that or like, oh, that didn't work at all. Let's not do that again. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like shooting and reflecting is really important. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm certainly, I, I look back at my pictures, but actually reflecting on them and, and thinking about what made the ones that I like work versus the ones I don't like is something I'm not particularly good at. Um, I'm interested in the choice of cameras that you tend to use um because i remember one of the first things that caught my attention about your instagram account was i think uh you say on there you love shooting with toy cameras and are always keen to have a conversation about them and it's it, interesting that for somebody who had that pushback against wanting to take pictures at all after shooting like Corey did that you then went for toy cameras Corey decided to go and get a load of just um disposable cameras to go and shoot with you went with toy cameras why why did you go with those or why have you lent particularly towards using those cameras um well i think i got uh i definitely got introduced to the holga pretty early on um when i was first started shooting film um and definitely was like oh this is great and it was like totally right before uh hipstamatic and like the whole iphone craze came out mm-hmm um, so it was like, oh, this cool, like toy vintage camera, plastic vignetting, light leaks, all this stuff. And like, then it all happened with phone filters. And I don't know, I definitely had some, I had to like get used to that <laughs> and like kind of come to terms with it. Uh, but then like, actually when I was in school, I had had this idea cause I, I really liked the toy cameras for like my fun stuff. And then using like digital cameras with like flashes and lighting uh, for my school stuff. And I always wanted to like combine the two. And I actually did. I did a, a fashion shoot in school with just toy cameras. And honestly, it was probably one of my the better things I made in school because it was like very much me. Like and it was very unique and yeah. it totally worked. Like you got your Holga with your hot shoe and I used uh, flash triggers that had hot shoe triggers. Like there's no reason why you can't use an off camera flash with a Holga. Totally, totally with you on that. I've done that as well. I've, I've done it with a, even with a Diana as well. Actually, it's great. Yeah. You are a professional retoucher. That's your trade. Um, so you're working with Photoshop all the time yeah and how does that factor in with your own personal work because you're you're using cameras and filters and film that's giving you a quite particular effect anyway and how how are you working through that system are you doing a lot more stuff to it afterwards what what's your post-processing techniques for this stuff well uh it depends on the image um but generally i don't have a lot of reservations on what i can do um, and I, okay, let's just talk about the, the question we're beating around about <laughs> whether or not we should be retouching our film scans. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get into it again. <laughs> is yes, you should be retouching your film scans and let's he talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> so first, first issue in that 
is that people think that talk about film like it's this pure thing and like I mean different people have different perspectives about it but I commonly come across people on the internet that are like oh it's film so I didn't edit it because it's raw and here's my film scan on the computer which means that it's been digitized and every time something transfers from one medium to another and gets captured especially like digitally there's color shifts that need to be corrected for so like when you digitize a, a piece of film in your scanner, like the scanner doesn't know necessarily what it's supposed to look like. And same with the software. And it's really up to you to choose what it looks like and or correct it for to like where you think it should be. And like even like even when you pay somebody else to scan it, like they're already doing something to it and they don't necessarily know what you want it to look like. So that's like why a, a, if you pay like a, a lab to do it, you'll be like, oh, look, they just come back like this. But no, somebody like somebody has gone through and edited that and probably sharpened it and color corrected it and maybe adjusted the exposure, like the, the contrast or saturation. And there's really no reason why you shouldn't like finish that up um, because it's your image. And then there's also the fact that like, in the good old days when everybody just shot film and then processed like printed in a dark room, it's not like you just go in, put your film in, press go, and it just spits out an image. You know, you pick things like contrast filters and you can dodge and burn and you can even do it at the end. You can do spotting. And really what digital does and what Photoshop is does is makes it a lot easier to do all these things. <laughs> but like ultimately all these, the things in Photoshop, they're based on darkroom and analog concepts. Like most of the names derive back to like real physical world tools. Like even unsharp mask is some real world like technique. I'm glad to hear you say that because I've never understood that. And it took me years to get the hang of dodge and burn as well to figure out which <laughs> one was which. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that, those are my feelings on digital editing of like uh, analog scans. Um, so, so I'm going to cut in here and, and, and respond to that because uh, okay. I, I've had uh over the, no, nothing, nothing to do with you spencer but graham has often said to me you know do you do this why don't what you know and we have had this conversation a number of times about post-processing i do uh i have recently started doing some post-processing uh and retouching oh, always uh retouching to my film photographs so like you know stray hairs or dust that have got caught in the scan i've always taken those out but i've never really done anything aesthetic so uh, I don't know whether you distinguish uh, between uh, between post-processing and retouching. So you, I, I'd argue I've always done a little bit of retouching just to clean stuff up, uh, but but not post-processing to, to create an aesthetic. Uh, but I, it's not because I'm against it, though. It's because I'm just too goddamn lazy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i like the aesthetic one of the reasons i shoot film well the, the, a, a number of them one is the process works better for me i take better photographs when i use that process another is i prefer the cameras uh and the third is that i really like the aesthetic and because i'm so horrendously lazy when it comes to post-processing um you know i can uh, i feel that uh a very very it's very much easier for me to get the look that i want from shooting film uh, than than trying to do it with digital, and uh, even to the point I was out today. Actually, we had uh, uh, we had some visitors. We went out as a family, went for a walk around the woods, and I decided I was going to take a digital camera and I, and also a speed light. So I, I was passing the speed light uh, you know, around the group, saying, you know, go stand there, point it at that person. I'm just going to take a photo or two. And uh, I really like the photos. I really like the light in the photos that I've just uh, I've captured. And now I'm just absolutely dreading post-processing. <laughs> I've had I've had a go at it. I've uh, already today. I've put them on the computer and I've I've played a little with the light in them. But uh, you know, it's 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's awesome what you do for a living because I, I can't even, yeah, even as a hobbyist, I can't bring myself to do it. But, uh, yeah, the whole post-processing, post-processing a film thing is, is an emotive topic, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I agree with you that actually there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't. Can I, yeah. can I ask Spencer? I, I want to take it one step further than that. You, you're saying it, should people feel they can or can't, and I think we're all in agreement. People should do whatever the hell they want with their pictures. Um, I, I want to, to ask, as you know, as your p- opinion, as somebody who sees a lot of photographs all the time, um, and I know you're dealing with digital, but you you see a lot of pictures on Instagram. Do you feel that people should be doing some level of post processing with their pictures? Yeah. It's part of photography. I'll tell you what this conversation is telling me. This conversation is telling me that you are a a very well-qualified judge of our second round of the Cheap Shots Challenge. And uh, we're going to get right down to that uh, after this short break. Well, folks, the time has come again. Time for Graham to get frustrated, time for me to get elated, and time for our guest judge to, to be judgmental. Uh, I was hoping that was going to rhyme at the end there, because that was really going somewhere. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to make this rhyme all the way through. It's going to be a little mini poem, but no, you blew it. I need to leave <laughs> some headroom for improvement. You know, this is only episode 26, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, we've we've been at it for six months now, and we should probably celebrate that, actually. Uh, uh, but uh, this is only episode 26. I wouldn't want to peak too early. Anyway, right, we are now going to go through the entries for round two of the Cheap Shots Challenge. Some of them we've mentioned already on previous podcasts, uh, but we'll go through them with Spencer here to uh, to comment. And first we are going to go through the forum on pixelatedphotographer.com. Uh, there is a thread that's been there for some while now that uh, I believe that Graham started uh, called cheap shots challenge round two and the very first shot in that is a double exposure of a cow by our good friend dave so over to spencer uh dave what do you think about dave sorry <laughs> spencer <laughs> over to spencer dave it's, yes it's, i do apologize uh, uh over to spencer <laughs> spencer what do you think uh, about a double exposure of a cow well, uh, I definitely enjoy that one. Um, I think it's it's got a lot of cool graphical qualities to it. The way the oh, is the second expo- the second exposure is totally a graphic of a cow. Yes, signpost. That's Same. what it is. Oh, oh that's really- yeah. Because like I was looking at it, it's like wow, the the other exposure has a lot more contrast and like looks weirdly floaty. And then I realized how perfect the edges were. Um, but yeah, I like that a lot. I like it more now that I realize it's not just two shots of a cow too. Cause like the, the way the cow's like kind of connecting with you and like, what are you, what are you doing human? <laughs> no, like, that's, it, has, that's... Like, it has like sort of a shadow going on, like that's floating. It's very cool. I, I, I just love the way he's managed to get it. So the, the signpost is obviously just a, a flat side on an image of a cow looking straight ahead. Whereas the actual cow he's got in the picture is looking straight at him. And yeah. And as always with Dave's double exposures, he's managed to line them up so well, which is a real skill. Yeah. The one thing I'd say about this, going back to our conversation about editing, I would wonder what this would look like if you brought the kind of the, the shadows down more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe bring out more of the because it, it's because especially since of the double exposure, it's like it's leaning a little over. It's not really overexposed, but it's got like from the white of the the sign like the background's really washed out and i just i would wonder what it would look like edited a little darker like in the, mm. the shadows mm. yeah good point okay so we've got a fair few of these to to get through so uh yeah. not going to spend too much time but thank you dave uh, as always uh where you get these ideas from dave i can only imagine right moving on uh second one actually is from dave as well which is uh possibly a a slightly more uh usual photo uh this is of a lioness 
Yeah. Uh, so that is nowhere near as interesting. <laughs> uh, is Dave the one who has all the Minoltas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna guess it's like with that because it's like it like almost feels like a digital shot. Like it's a lot sharper, um, and it's like just the lioness. Like I don't know. There's not. There's no like connection. That she's not like looking at you or anything. And yeah, doesn't do a lot for me. All right, well, we'll move on then. Uh, so uh, third in the line here is uh, a shot of a chicken uh, by Maddie Owens. <laughs> I do enjoy, like, the sense of motion, but it feels like a sense of kind of frozen motion here with the chicken. Is it Like, you, you aren't sure if it's walking or if it's, like, full-out running. You think it's a frozen you know? chicken. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I like that what's going on um again i kind of wonder if it what it would look like with some more uh deep shadows it's I pretty flat this is the photo we were talking about just before the break where maddie said that um i can really actually said mine are lacking in contrast um but I think ah. kinda, but um i know that uh, maddie being billow in sun billow in is a luddite when it comes to post processing his photos <laughs> so i think he's passing on these bad behaviors to his daughter Blame Bill for everything. <laughs> Bill. Fair, fair enough. Okay, uh, next one. Well, Graham, uh, the next one is, is a picture uh, of yours. Yeah, these are my entries for this month. So you uh, shot these with a nice uh, expired 3200? Yeah, okay. So I, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago I needed, I had a little something on my mind to talk about with this. So... Um, I had this roll of Delta 3200 because the problem I had in the first round of this was that I used Pan F 50 ISO film in a camera with a lens that wasn't particularly quick. And so I had a lot of problems with unwanted motion. So I thought, I'm, I am not having that problem again. So I went to the other end of the spectrum and put in some 3200 film. And I didn't think it had been around that long. It was um, Kodak T-Max 3200. And because it's nice and quick, I, thought, I can put a yellow filter on as well because there'll still be enough speed in the film. So that's what I did. And then when I developed the role of film, I discovered that maybe the film was substantially older than I'd realized. And it turns out that high ISO black and white film does not age very well. Nope. <laughs> so, so my negatives were incredibly dark and incredibly thin and there's very little information in there so i had to do quite a lot of work in lightroom and, and with the scanning software to pull anything out of them so yes hence them being quite grainy um and not super sharp but uh, there you go you get what you get okay. yeah i don't I don't really have any good metrics for it, but I know that the higher the speed of the film, the more it will lose speed as it ages. Um, so yeah, just we were talking about the Ilford 3200. I definitely like assume that there's at least a stop, if not a stop and a half, missing from that speed when I shoot it. Just like off the top. Yeah, I've shot fresh Ilford before now, and you know, and that's been okay at box speed. I mean, it's been grainy, but it's been okay. But this stuff was, I mean, the thing is, I've got how many pictures I've got in here? One, two, three, four, five. I think five pictures, and they were the best that I could get off of that film. Uh, the drop off then to what is left is most of it's unviewable it's just complete garbage this wasn't a case of well these are my best ones it's like no these are the ones where you can make out what the pictures are actually of so <laughs> uh epic fail well i don't know about that i think it's uh, you shouldn't be judging yourself i think it's uh <laughs> yeah uh, to spencer to to call the shots um uh, of the five spencer uh is, is there one that you'd pick out as a favorite uh, I really like the first and the last one, which is, I think it's an emu? Yeah. Is that what first one is? Yeah, so the emu face, and then the this close-up of, like, this bull nose with the horn. Um, I think that one's my favorite. Uh, it's just, like, I feel like, especially with, because you have two shots of the bull or maybe a different cow. Yeah. But, like, this one where all it is, all you can see is the nose with the ring and then these two bars, and I feel like there's so much attitude in that shot 
for like how little you can see of the creature. Like, I don't know. It's just like that. Oh, the size of that ring and the nose is so intense. And it's just like, looks like a creature you maybe shouldn't be that close to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say something good about a competitor's photo, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, it does seem that it sort of, yeah, it, it does seem to capture the, the essence of it. It's sort of distilled. You don't need to see the whole bull, you know, the, the, the nose ring and the, and the bars, you know, say everything you need to know in some ways. Yeah, it definitely, I think it says more because you can't see more of it, Yeah, honestly. Okay, all right, well, uh, thank you, Graham. Next, uh, actually, next two are mine. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, so I had slightly more technical luck uh, with mine. Uh, I don't get a lot of choice about what film I shoot in my 110 camera. It's just Lomo Tiger 200. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, yeah, so uh, two shots here, a shot of some geese and a shot of... Uh, a Shetland pony or, or some very, very small horse. Anyway, so uh, over to you, Spencer. Do your worst. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the one of the, the geese doesn't do a lot for me. I would like it a lot more if the that head that's sticking out of the side wasn't there. Um, you want me to you do, do some post-processing in my film photos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's something I do a lot is like, oh, that little thing over there doesn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, that just, it creates a lot of visual tension over there without necessarily a lot of purpose. Cause clearly the, the main goose is your focus. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Happily. I'll take, I'll take that comment. Thank you. And this, uh, this, this pony, I like this pony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, the shot isn't like super amazing, but like it definitely makes me want to just like go over there and hug that pony. <laughs> Like it's just all soft and cute, looks all happy. Yeah, so. he did. He looked like that in real life, actually. The the reason I couldn't get a, a better shot is they're they're all in pens. This is uh, it, it, it's not really a petting area. Well, I suppose you can pet them sometimes, but it's it's a local. Uh, um, I don't know what you'd call it, really. It's a park, it, you know, in the grounds of an estate where you could where they have a little petting park and they got a little miniature golf and they've got playgrounds for the kids and stuff like that. So we were out with that. Uh, yeah i suppose yeah i suppose it isn't a bit yeah it is a way not 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 uh not all of them because uh some of them would look like they'd rather like you know uh bite you than anything else. But, but yeah okay all right well there you go I'll, I'll i'll settle for so one out of two being cute i'm quite happy with that and uh we'll move on then shall we uh so uh over now to the instagram feed and uh searching on the hashtag cheap shots challenge and uh i believe uh well uh if the if it sorts them on my computer in the same order as it sorts them on your computer spencer then the first one you should have here is from matt melcher is that right uh yes the deer yeah the deer yeah um yeah so i'd say this is a it's a nice shot of these deer um I wish there was a bit more separate, like a bit more separation um, in some way. Like, say if the deer were just, they look like they're in the shadow of a tree. If they were just a little farther back, you know, they'd actually be in the light, um, which I think would help that a lot. Um, Can I ask and... you, given your, given your color knowledge, because um, this was shot with Kodak Vision 500T, which is a tungsten balanced film. So I'm not sure whether he, um, Matt was shooting with a filter. I'm assuming he probably was, but um, it looks to me like there's still a bit of a color cast on it because it all still looks a bit green. Do you think by adjusting the color temperature a bit, it would have brought out the color of the deer a bit more? Uh, it's very possible. Um, from what I've found, it's a lot harder to correct um, color temperature from film um, in post. Really? Uh, I, I find it's not too bad, actually, with TIFF files anywhere. I find they're pretty good. Yeah, it, it can definitely, like, run into some some issues um, that I've found. Like, I, I think, yeah, it definitely feels like there might be some cyan in, in this image. Um, and might even need some more green, because the green's really washed out. Like, even though there's, like, a lot of green. I think that's what it is. I think there's cyan in the shadows. So you'd want to add red. And then, yeah, 
I don't know. I think that might help, but it also it might not. It's hard to say. <laughs> it does sound very technical. I'm clear, clearly, there's a, a both a science and an art to it. Uh, okay. Well, uh, well, uh, I would say though, uh, thank you very much, Matt, for entering. Right. Uh, the next one is is uh, My Little Pony again. So we'll move swiftly on from there. Uh, and we've got one which, uh, I, I, well, from Corey, um, uh, which is, uh, it seems to be a picture of a shadow and a stick. Uh, I'm not sure that, that qualifies as an animal or wildlife, but uh, maybe our judge will have a word or two to say about Corey's photo. Uh, I feel like they're going for street. Maybe? <laughs> that looks like a street to me. <laughs> I think Corey's just got a late entrance there then for the uh, for the first round. <laughs> Maybe. I think Corey's just very confused, bless him. I think that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, then we have uh, uh, one of Graham's again, and then a, a picture of a, a white goat, which is another of Maddie's entries. Oh, I like this white goat. Um, I think, like, what's definitely standing out to me is the personality that are, is being captured in some of these of the animal, or at least our perceived personality. Cause like, doesn't that goat just look like it's really nice. Like it looks like it wants to be your friend. It's just like a nice, nice looking creature. It looks very yeah. kind. It just looks to me like it wants to nip me. When I see a goat, oh. I just assume it's time to nipping <laughs> a matter of seconds. Yeah. Oh, that might be your, that's probably your perspective. I've definitely yeah. not been nipped by goats. Um, you haven't lived to even nipped by a goat. <laughs> no, not yet. But yeah, I really like the kind of the angle of the head in this and the the personality in it. Great. All right. Well, uh, next one. Uh, next one is one of Dave's, but it seems to be a bit more street than it is well, that, wildlife. That, that was from the last. That definitely was from the last challenge. So okay. we, we need to go flicker now. To the flicker. Well, well there's a couple actually. There's a, and in fact, I think they may actually be Dave's because uh, there's the one of Dave's aunt that we made those jokes about uh, halfway <laughs> down this page. Actually, uh, a picture of a monkey, of course, that uh, was sat on <laughs> I don't know, the bonnet of his car or something like that. I think at the time. Uh, yeah. And that one, like, I do like it because, again, I think it's, like, kind of personality of the animal. But, like, I don't know. Is it being shot? There's something weird happening. Like, it's being shot through a windshield or something? I, I suspect so. Um, it was taken at a safari park uh, in the west of England. Uh, and I know that when you drive around the monkey enclosure, you're not allowed to get out of your car. So uh, I suspect it is exactly as you say. Yeah, I think it's like I want to like it, but there's something like the the composition just kind of doesn't do much for me. Um, also, the fact that you can see just the tip of the hood of the car at the bottom of the frame. Not so into that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, but yeah, the actual monkey is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the the very next shot, which I think is uh, again from Dave uh, and entry for this particular round a double exposure which i believe is of a horse and uh of a jockey maybe <laughs> actually yeah. i've been staring at this picture for the last five minutes trying to figure out exactly what's <laughs> going on um, i don't know whether spence is now seeing what i'm seeing in this image but it seems to be where the man monkey and the lady monkey love each other very much overlaid with the stern face of somebody watching them oh is that what it is i mean that's kind of what it looks oh. like oh my god you're right <laughs> oh wow it's like a magic image you stare at it long enough and suddenly you go oh oh that's what that picture is yeah, I definitely was like assuming there was a horse in it because that looks like a jockey. But ah, yeah, looking at it, um... okay, right. <laughs> now I'm with you. Thanks, Dave. That's great. All right, that one's got some layers. <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. What are we going to do with you? Right. I, I almost feel bad now because we you know we've kind of spoiled it for the listeners. But yeah, it's one of those pictures you kind of you need to look at it for a while to see the picture within the picture. And when you do, you can never unsee that picture. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there. You, uh, yeah, I have no idea how to follow that except to say, yeah, let's move on to the to the Flickr stream. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, 
last few then. So uh, uh, some of these are, are duplicates uh, where we've um, they've been posted previous uh, in other places. We've spoken about them. The first one that we haven't spoken about is the picture of the uh, the pigs uh, with the, the barn in the background. There's another one of Maddie's entries. It's just such a pastoral scene. I really like that shot. Yeah. I, I love and, the haze to it as well. I, I mean, the obvious is I wish it was a bit brighter. Um, cause you got the whole foreground that's really just getting muddy and like, you can barely see it, but I, like, I wish you could see the, the pigs a little bit more cause they look like they're doing the exact same thing at the exact same angle, which is probably what she was focusing on when she took it. Um, but you know, it's like their heads are at the right same angle as each other. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the the one next to it is of some ducks also by by Maddie, and then of course there's another uh, a turkey called Olaf as well. So there's a couple more from Maddie. There. I think <laughs> that probably ends uh, Maddie's entries though. Olaf. Yeah, I mean, I her her goat one is definitely her best for sure. Okay. I like that one. That was Dave's favorite as well. Dave made an early pitch that we should just give Maddie the win with the goat. Like <laughs> about a month ago, he was a big goat booster. <laughs> okay listen i'll tell you what um i think we've mentioned everybody uh, no we haven't we've got we have got more we've got we? uh we've got the, the shot um by derek von evil oh is... sorry of yes yes uh the shot uh which is of <laughs> two sculptures of bears in the middle of a street i think What's what's going on with this picture, Spencer? This is one of your fellow countrymen taking this picture. What 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 are we looking at here? Can you give us some insight into this scene? Um, where is it? I'm trying to find it. So scroll up a little bit from where we were, past the fireworks. We really should have organised these into a central place, but um, you know, we're not really good at that stuff. That'll be one of our improvements. <laughs> oh, this gotcha. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've seen plenty of those things around America. <laughs> what uh, are they? They're like wood sculpture. You, it, it's a wood sculpture. It's a bear. Um, <laughs> did, is, that, is there more that's needed to be said? I don't know. It goes outside <laughs> shops usually, like restaurants or something will have them. Or, or like very Americana-based stores will have them. It's very the Wild West and whatnot. Okay. Yeah, nothing says <laughs> and the last one in our Flickr group, if you go right up nearly to the top, is uh, Bill Owens has shared a picture of a cow. Doesn't seem to have a name, which I'm a bit disappointed by. Oh no, it does have a name. It's called Valentino. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure I can see that one myself. Actually, it's it's fairly recent. Like yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Very nice contrasty shot. I, I'd almost be inclined to think that Bill might have actually done some post processing on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Although not cropping, obviously. To get yeah, the cropping and that, like, whatever this thing is in the bottom left-hand corner, like, it looks like a leg or something. I think he did this sure. with, with the um, Olympus pen, the little half-frame camera, so it's quite easy because that's such a small camera to get uh -huh. extraneous things in the frame, but cute camera. Yeah. I think this could have benefited a lot from, like, a different angle. Cause it's kind of like you're just—it's just like shot at eye level, and then like there's this cow, and it's not really like engaging, and it kind of looks like, I don't know, small. But it's I think calf. Like, so they it, are small. It's a calf, but like it's just—I don't know. I think it could have benefited a lot from like a lower angle. Or something. Okay. But yeah. So so is it safe? I'll try this again, Graham. Is it safe to say that 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 is all the entries we've we've mentioned now? That is all the ones we've been able to find. Um, anybody who's put stuff where we haven't found it, apologies, but please do just let us know. We'll always bring them up in the future anyway. But yeah, that's all the stuff we could find for now. Okay. And and again, thank you ever so much, everybody, for entering this second round. Uh, you know, uh, I think quite a, a few extra people from uh, the first round. So uh, you know, thank you all for your entries. Now to the most important part of this, uh, the bit I've been looking forward to all week, which is... Uh, uh, where where Spencer gets to decide uh, which of Graham and I has uh, best met the brief and and has won the challenge. Mm. <laughs> well, between the two of you, it's definitely a toss up between the pony and the bull ring. I mean, if this was a fight, 
you know who's winning that fight, right? If it's Pony <laughs> v Bull, that, that pony's getting stamped to death. I think I'm going to go with the bull. Yes! Ooh. Because, because it's ultimately a more interesting image. Yeah! Bull wins! Bull like, wins! I think because of the mystery and because of like kind of telling so much story with just the nose, that's why I'm going to pick that one. Feel vindicated, especially since that picture has. I mean, the, the ring is about the only thing that actually came out in that picture. I'm, I'm glad that I shared that because I really ummed and ahed about whether to put that one up, but because I, because I, I quite liked the, the, the sort of very graphic nature of the image. I thought, okay, I'm gonna sh- share this one, even though the image quality was low. But ah, in your face! <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> okay, I would like to say a very magnanimous congratulations to Graham. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a great shot. Uh, it's uh, it's one that caught my eye. Uh, you know, and uh, it's it you if you look through the technical difficulties, you know, it's it's a, a deserving winner. Oh, thank you very much, Aid. And you know, I'm hoping that it's going to be third time lucky with this camera when I actually manage to get. <laughs> everything working and lined up properly um because yeah i did that's the second time in the row where my film choices kind of messed things up for me but uh i feel i feel relieved now we're on even pegging now it's one each if you pulled away i think i might have to throw myself under a bus <laughs> oh, and we wouldn't want that because it'll be a slightly dull podcast if it's just me talking on my own every week right okay listen spencer thank you ever so much uh it's been Before very we go. Cool. Before we go, yep, I didn't tell you my overall winner. Oh yeah, yeah oh okay, oh, oh right, okay. well, adding adding to the uh, the suspense here. Go on then, yeah, please do. Uh, my top three picks would be the double cow, the goat, and then the bull bull ring. But I think my top pick is the double cow. Yes, we've got another good chance. You know what? It's a great shot, Dave, and his double exposures. You can't argue with them. But uh, yeah. That's a great yeah. shot. I think Maddie's go absolutely deserves to be up there as well. Awesome pictures, guys. Awesome. It's, animals are quite a hard topic because I know that you, you were saying, I mean, you, you shared your picture with me earlier, Spencer, and it's of a cat on the far side of the road. <laughs> it was it was not particularly impressive. I think it's fairly safe to say. <laughs> but it's, it's hard if you don't come into contact with wildlife on a regular basis and so I think people did incredibly well getting what they got so well yeah. done guys alright well that's great thank you okay so we are now going to take uh, a quick break and uh, after we come back uh, we are going to talk less about art and more about stuff So it's about this time of year that uh, everybody gets very, very excited about buying new toys. Uh, uh, A fairly new phenomenon in the UK, at least, uh, is Black Friday. Uh, First of all, though, I suppose we should say a happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. I realise that actually this show is going out uh, in the middle of the week following Thanksgiving. uh, But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, we're recording it on the weekend. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, And then uh, on to uh, the slightly uh, more cynical, more consumer based uh, element of the weekend, uh, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing. Uh, Graham, I believe you treated yourself. Uh, Yeah, I've done really well. It's really photographic in place. I bought myself an electric guitar. (laughs) <laughs> oh, hey, well done. Excellent. That is good news. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. What I figured out was that I've been trying to learn the last week, and my playing is really bad, and what I needed to fix it was more volume. So I'm thinking this is going to solve that problem quite nicely. Um, <laughs> does, it, does it go to 11? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does go to 11, and my neighbours are going to be really thrilled about that. The one <laughs> thing I did get, actually, this last week, I didn't technically buy it. I got given it, but I just wanted to share this with you because I'll never remember to share it again. Somebody at my camera club gave me this cool old brass um, lens from an old large format camera, like Ooh. and this old catalogue, old photographic catalogue, um, that's got all the stuff they were selling. It's all glass plates and stuff like this. And the thing I love most about it, two things. One, it, this dates back to 1910. They've got Rodinol in here for sale. That's the only thing that you can still easily get now is Rodinol. And the other thing, you could just buy uranium. <laughs> <from this> uh, <laughs> really? 
You can buy some uranium nitrate, you know, uranium acetate. It's really cheap. Uh, the good old days where you could just buy shit like that over the counter. Uh, that's all I wanted to say about that. What did you buy, Aid? Uh, well, I, I didn't buy anything that could be made into a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Well, more fool you. The weekend to do it. It's all cheap this weekend. Well, yes. uh, (laughs) If only I'd had the imagination to go back in time and sort that out. Uh, No, what I did buy actually uh, is something that could be used for uh, any kind of photography, uh, something that could even be used for filmmaking or videography, uh, digital or analogue. I bought uh, some lights. Some more lights, to be more precise. Well, you know me, right? I I, I don't have the the most extensive collection of cameras. Um, I mean, I have lots of different kinds of cameras, but I don't have, like, tons of 35mm SLRs and then tons of point-and-shoots. Uh, but what I do like, uh, where I, where my, uh, my gear acquisition syndrome really does kick in, is in lighting kit. Uh, and so... Uh, I went for uh, possibly some of the smallest lights you could get uh, this weekend because they had a sale on. Um, you might remember last year there was a Kickstarter for a product called the Loom Cube, uh, which if you imagine uh, a cube that is an, uh, one and a half inches uh, cubed uh, and on one face of it, it has an LED lamp. Uh, uh, but it's uh, you can control this thing via Bluetooth uh, with an app on your phone. So uh, there'll be there'll be uh, it can be an optical slave. So it, it'll get triggered by other flashlights going off. Uh, I believe you can even use it for off camera flash with your mobile phone, which uh, is intriguing. I'm looking forward to learning about how that works. Uh, but uh, it's. They're small, they're waterproof. Uh, I bought, I say they, I bought two of these things. Um, and, uh, you know, they're the sort of thing you can keep in a coat pocket and, and have just anywhere. Uh, and, you know, control, and that you could, they could be accent lights in, in, if you were shooting somebody's portrait in, in a in a room or in, inside a building you could put them in the background to light a painting or a, a vase of flowers or something like that uh you could use them i suspect uh to sort of you know, give some sort of side lighting or hair lighting to somebody uh as you were taking a, a headshot uh or you could just simply um you know use them for doing mobile phone videos and stuff like that uh, they sell all sorts of gadgets to go sort of use them with gopros and things like that but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to having two really tiny uh, little lights that uh, could be pretty versatile. Those they sound really cool. Great. Yeah, they sound awesome. Do you do you do much with artificial light, um, Spencer? Oh, I mean, I suppose you you've done stuff with artificial light for sure. Do you do anything these days? Um, I haven't lately. I used to be all about it, um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff I've been shooting is just more like exploring and going out in the world but uh i definitely do portraits sometimes where i get out the old the old lights um it's a lot harder with film it <laughs> is with, it is a uh, lot it well it isn't it isn't i mean it so i think it's more involved Mostly it's it more is. of a process no it, it's it's not so bad these days because you know in the in the same way as in the old days they would shoot the uh pol- with polaroid backs uh, to make yeah. sure that they were getting the exposure and uh, you know the the lighting correct. Uh, these days, you just do it with digital. The thing that I find is different, though, is is that uh, it's it's very much harder to be spontaneous um, because you have to get your light meter out and you have to uh, you know make sure the distances are correct and that your subject is prepared to sit still while you sort yourself out. And uh, I mean, as I often take photos uh, of my young children, uh, they're, you know, they're they're old enough now that they'll sit there quite happily on the sofa, let you set up the kit and then they'll just get up and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just left there cursing, uh, you know, but quietly to yourself because they're only children. (laughs) So, I mean, the only time I ever use lighting is when it's like, okay, this is a shoot and you're a model. Like I'm never I'm not gonna like pull out lights for just like random what's it sort of stuff so much. 
Yeah, well, that's something I'm. You know, uh, I I have some ideas about what I'm going to use these things for, uh, and and partly it's just a question of the, just having them with you. You know, so that you know when an op you can take the take an opportunity when it arises. Uh, but part of it is, you know, I, I I've got a few ideas I'm kicking around in my head about what I might use them for, and uh, given that I seem to have signed myself up for some sort of portrait. Um, project over the next six months or so uh, for those who've listened to recent episodes uh, I, I thought you know well you know it, treat myself they, they were on a discount uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting them that sounds awesome dude actually that, that can I just very quickly lead off what you just said seeing as we've got Spencer here uh, a couple of questions Spencer first off have you got any thoughts about doing a project joining us on this project adventure for the next six months um nothing specific kind of i've got like general projects like setting up a blog was part of it and like just kind of because i don't have trouble shooting <laughs> is shooting is not my issue it's more like editing and finishing things that's a lot harder um i don't know i keep coming back to the idea of making a zine <laughs> to do um, i really want to do that as well Oh, yeah. I, what is going on with the world where in 2016 suddenly zines are making a resurgence? What is going on with that? It just I mean, sounds like I fun. Think it's a, yeah, I think it's a response to the lack of print media that's still around. You know, and it's like a way to make a, th a thing that you can give to somebody or sell to somebody for cheap that has your work printed in it. Yeah, to totally. Uh, I get it. That's you know, he, he, uh, I'd really be up for doing that. Definitely, that sounds like a great project. And yeah. the other thing, the other thing, um, which because we want to refer back, because you mentioned that you had actually an answer for a question we asked somebody asked recently. So we're going to ask you this question now, so we can seamlessly stitch it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what desert island cameras and films? Because you said you actually had a thought on that. What what's your choice on this? So, part of this question involves having that film, the film stock, indef like indefinitely, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would want a Polaroid Land Camera 450 and FP100B film. FP100B. So, is that a black and white film? Because I'm not even familiar with 100B. Yeah, it's one they stopped making like three four years ago uh-huh but like it's the it's the black and white 100 speed one gotcha and, oh it's lovely but all gone pretty much and anything that's still around is pretty ex getting pretty expired at this point so yeah i mean I, i've seen the 3000 be around and that's expensive now but i haven't seen any of the 100 b stuff around and is that is that your most missed thing that you've lost in the last few years uh yeah i mean along with the just all of the fp uh film but that one specifically and that was the first one to go that was just like ah oh, stabbed my heart no <laughs> um but yeah so i think that would work really well because you know i mean then you just have like there's not much better than like having an instant shot that's very like, true like and it, and those are so nicely sized too. They're so big. They're like a really substantial print. Like and the way you peel them apart, it's just like ah, it's just. If I'd picked one thing to shoot forever, especially on a deserted island, I could just do that. And I mean, by the time you've shot a few thousand packs, you could use the plastic inserts that the film comes in. You might be able to fashion some sort of a raft and escape from the desert island as well. So, I mean, there's the practical application as much as anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking about, the practical application. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thanks, Spencer. Okay, I think uh, now it is time to move on to our regular spot of uh, yeah, shout-outs and shoot-outs. And again, I think, Spencer, you've got uh, plenty of uh, people to shout out to. Yeah, so I wanted to do a shout out to Ernesto Hemingwayo on Instagram. And that's E-R-N-E-S-T-O-H-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y-O. And his stuff, I just love his stuff, like... He shoots uh, film and it's got a lot of wonderful colors and great like environments. Um, and he actually shoots this film that he talks about 
um, that actually has its own Instagram account, which is psychedelic underscore blues underscore film, um, where you can actually, uh, it's this film that this guy, uh, Dustin Adams, um, he kind of loosely describes his process, but he seems to take like Kodak gold film and then pull it out of the canister and then expose it to like subtle amounts of, um, red lights and then like some other colored lights and like shoots the lights through like, uh, like off a, uh, kind of holographic reflective surface. And it just gives the film this like lovely color splashes. And like, I haven't gotten any yet, but I, I plan to, cause it, it's like cool. It's pretty subtle. Most of the time I think he's gotten his, uh, his technique down pretty well. What was that um, called again? Sorry, Spencer. The film? Psychedelic. Blues film, so it's psychedelic underscore blues underscore film on Instagram. Yeah, I'm oh, just awesome. looking at that now. That is that, that's some crazy stuff right there. That is, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, a friend of mine and I actually have a, a plan to try and uh make some ourselves. And <laughs> the we haven't gotten around to testing it yet, but the plan we've come up with is I've got all these little uh like finger lights of different colors, all right. and so I've also got a four by five. And so the plan is to put the little lights inside the four by five and then use the shutter to control how much light gets exposed to the film. So the light will actually be coming out of the lens. Okay. And then, yeah, I, <laughs> so I, I don't understand what on earth you're talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, so you, you this was thirty five millimeter film. You're just using the large format camera as a light box with a shutter, yeah. Yeah, it's like the opposite of what a camera is because it's like <laughs> instead of a dark box, the light box. But then to control how much light's coming out of it, plan to use the shutter. I look forward to seeing these results. <laughs> it sounds this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you want to check out the website for that film, it's DustinAdamsPhoto.com. Okay, that'll be in the notes. Yeah, good stuff there. So, uh, okay, a couple more then that you had. Uh, one is uh, Benjamin Scott Cook. Yeah, so it's Benjamin underscore Scott under, underscore Cook. And uh, he's a guy who, he shoots uh, both digital and film, but I've been, uh, he lives down in Southern California desert area. And I'm a big sucker for the desert and I just love looking at his photos because it's like his commute is like through the desert and so he's like getting up and like he always like has all these sunrise shots in the desert because you know he's just driving to work and he stops and takes photos or he like sees some weird thing off the side of the road and he goes drives out with his truck and takes photos of that and like ah there's a part of me that really wants to live in the desert and I really enjoy his work because of that Great. Um, yeah, it looks it's got some interesting stuff that actually, yeah. You're right, the light is quite uh quite nice in a lot of those, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, good good light, good light. And then uh, uh maybe uh actually not your last, a couple of YouTube channels. Yeah, so um there's this guy, uh Azil Knight, that's A Z I E L K N I G H T. And he's uh, seems like he's this nice Canadian guy who makes these videos that he seems he looks like he's putting a lot of work into his videos. But like, I'm just been like, I watched through a lot of his videos and like, they're quite good, but like, ah, he needs some love. So you guys should go check his stuff out if you like YouTube videos about film cameras and stuff. Sounds Um, awesome. And then another YouTube channel that uh, is probably a lot more popular and a lot more people are likely to have heard of, but uh, Matt Day, um, M-A-T-T-D-A-Y. He's got a lot of great stuff, a lot of tutorials and um, different, like, he's not exclusively film, but he does shoot some film. And um, if you're looking for a good YouTube channel, definitely check his out. Yeah, I've I've actually seen a couple of his. Uh, I don't know that I'm subscribed to it, but uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll go back and have another look. But uh, yeah, certainly Azil Knight sounds very interesting as well. Yeah, I think that guy just he needs some he needs some love. <laughs> well, well, we his can stuff arrange. Is worth watching, but we, yeah, we can arrange that for him possibly. Okay, all right, and then a last one. Uh, oh, is a is a website rather than anything else? I think is it. 
Uh, is a an Instagram user who has a website. Um, ah, this right. is somebody who I've uh, just got been chatting to this week. It's at Collimaton, K O L L I M A T O R N on Instagram, who's got it's a nice fun feed, um, lots of pictures of old film and old cameras, as well as the pictures he's shooting with them. But also, um, I, in his uh, bio on thing, he's got a link to um, www.filmphotoforum.com. .se, um, which is a uh, film photography blog in Sweden. So if you're Swedish and want someone to go and talk, chat about film photography, um, that's the place to go. I suspect that <laughs> Colin Vatorn is the one and only Swedish listener we have, and he clearly already knows about this place. But, you know, on the <laughs> off chance that you're also from Sweden and you're not familiar with this, then go and check it out. So, yeah, it's awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. So I think that uh, is bringing us dangerously close to the end of the show. But of course, uh, there is uh, the little thing about asking our guest where we can find him on the Internet. We've mentioned a couple of places, but I suspect there's a good half a dozen, actually. Uh, <laughs> and I'd like to give Spencer himself the opportunity to, to focus the audience on whichever ones that he'd like. So, uh, Spencer, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, I'm going to say um, a story of pieces.com, uh, my new blog, and it's also going to have galleries that I'm going to put up more crafted stuff. Um, and then my Instagram, where I post daily, uh, which is at a story of pieces. And let's just leave it at that. You're doing a point people towards your Minecraft maps then? <laughs> no. It's just a one. <laughs> I don't even know if it works still. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, you can get in touch with the Sunny 16 podcast on a number of internet platforms, uh, certainly on Instagram, which we've spoken about a lot this evening, at Sunny 16 podcast, and on Twitter, at Sunny 16 podcast, and the Flickr group, Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, one of the less used channels of communication is our email, uh, sunny16podcast at gmail.com. We would always be pleased to receive an email, uh, especially if it had, I don't know, a little sound bite attached to it so that we could uh, uh, play little sound bites from uh, our audience on the podcast itself. Uh, beyond that, of course, uh, Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com provides huge amounts of support, as does Bill Owens for the show notes, and Kevin McLeod, whose music Honeybee uh, can be found at incompetech.com. That brings us to the end. Uh, thank you once again, Spencer. It's been great to have you on the show. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. All right. And thanks, Graham, as well. Goodbye, folks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. all right it's all right we get on all right it's one of those relationships that you know it's it's uh it's relatively straightforward because we live 60 miles apart <laughs> <laughs>